urban life. Neighborhood banter. Pull up a seat and pass the time. The Dukan Show. Hosted by OT, Tuflis, Urshad, and Reem. Welcome to the tribe. Yeah. It's um, not preparing. It's not preparing. If anything, Ahmad and Rami get so angry when I try to put in a jump. That's why I had to do a zip down my own. I was like, you guys, I want plans. I want questions beforehand. Goodbye. Yeah. And yeah, so that's how all of it worked out. But what about you guys? How do you. We do you don't. plan the cancho? We do. You plan we, the guests? Yeah, that's it. Um, but do you have like specific questions we, or. Not questions. We have. No, actually, not even questions, because the questions always need to lead to a person telling their story. Mm. Okay. So, which yeah. is why, if you realize, we switch our format early on, where it's not like... It started, actually, you know, at the beginning, we used to say, like, for example, episode 10, The Hangout, for example, featuring Khaira and Razan, mm. right? But now, we went, we switched completely to a point where we call them co-hosts. Okay. So you're a co-host for this episode. You're yeah. not being interviewed. Definitely, that is right? so much more power. Yeah. yeah. And it allows for them to feel comfortable. And then because a lot of people feel the need like they're getting, especially those who have been interviewed a lot, they come with the expectation that they're going to get interviewed. And, and they have a list yeah. of scripted uh, and they think Yeah. And so usually it takes us time to let them feel comfortable like that's not yeah. the case. Um, and to do that, the best way that worked for us was kind of Reem and I or even like with Jib back then is that we break the conversation we talk amongst themselves amongst ourselves so we kind of like leave the guest on the side and like completely ignore them um, and it's not at, at the beginning it wasn't intentional but like I pay attention to these things later and like I re-listen to it I'm like you know what that worked let's try it again with a different guest so they get to a point where like we test out leaving them sidelined for a minute as a bystander and then they feel the need to jump back in and then it develops the conversation. It's right? so rare, though, that you find people that, or at least maybe in my my yeah. experience, because for for me, when I started as the like the sole reason, even though it evolved and now it's about the authentic self and it's semi self help, the first reason why I did it was because when when I was recording the Mustafa show with the guys, whenever there was a woman that came on, I noticed. Um, habits that women have when it comes to their voice, like literally their voice, either be it how they they ask things in the form of questions or how they're like overly inclusive or how they're like, they always put themselves way in the back Yeah. and giving that space to people to be like, you can interrupt. In fact, it makes even that better. Was yeah. That yeah. was my problem. Because because of radio, yeah. usually you ask questions, they answer, and you ask a following question. Mm-hmm. You, you usually come in with like a list of questions, or yeah. you have some idea of what you want to ask. Um, you never do that with Dukan? No, at It all. does not come off, by I the don't. way, because you have such a, like, each episode but, has such a yeah. point. But that's the thing, like, it just became so natural after yeah. a while, right? Um, and the thing is that it became, because I'm just gen- generally inquisitive, and so is Reem, Sometimes just the question comes up. My my biggest fear when I started, then I'm like, oh my god, I don't want to be rude. I don't want to interrupt people when they're answering. And then I realize I find myself sitting back and just like not talking most of the episode because 
trying to be polite. And then I'm like, fuck it, and start interrupting people and like ask a question while they're talking, you know? Um, who's really good at it is Reem as well. Like she knows when to jump in and ask yeah. her questions. Um, and she's very like poignant about it as well. Um, From a listener side, I'm so addicted to interruptions because that's where, like, w- when I think about podcasts because I don't listen to music, that's where I feel like, you know, you you find a clash of souls when people interrupt each other, and mm-hmm. it's very different. Yeah, I've never thought of it. I love it, it that way. I love it. I'm so addicted to it because I'm I'm an extrovert, but just by coincidence, I grew up very isolated, so when it comes to social situations I'm just so addicted to great personalities mm. bumping into each other and then when you hear an interruption it I don't know it's just like a beautiful chaos or a beautiful like yeah. galaxy mm. level explosion mm. that happens that's you so feel funny. it when you meet the personalities yeah. yeah that's like the complete opposite of what we do. Yeah. You guys no, are very good. Because but you you analyze the tea, please. Yes. Yeah. See, like I could have this in the episode of like, hey, can you please pass me the tea? You don't do that. Yeah. No. In your episode. You can't have that in. Yeah. I mean we started a little bit to put more of of the sounds around or like a little bit more interruption because I feel that it makes it more real. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important to have is maybe we were too like scripted or curated and I feel like that kind of removes the person yeah yeah the personality in a way. Yeah, yeah yeah exactly uh, this is why I wanted to ask you how is it when people talk to you because when they come up to me and talk to me about a zibda like it's very normal for them to like start talking about you know their emotional issues or something that they were helped with from the episode but you're so far removed or like you focus so much on the story I feel that I don't know what kind of questions or comments do you get in real life people say that they really like it when him and I put ourselves into the story mm-hmm. but I get really like I'm like oh no the story is not about me it's about the other yeah. person like you know but actually and we've done a lot of reading on this and like people from Amer- this American life and like Ira Glass and all, all these people it. they all do it and they say it's really about the two way relationship and the conversation more so than just the other person because mm-hmm. obviously you're influencing them and with your questions yeah. and your interruptions exactly. so that's really important to have so I feel like I'm also trying to make a mental note of inserting more of myself or Hiba or whoever is like telling these conversations talking to these people so I think I don't know I think it makes it more human it makes it more interesting definitely my you favorite know? points my favorite points of when I like uh, when my heart feels so close to you guys it's when you and Hiba like talk Your about how you're in a closet Really? More than the personalities. Like, I'm in a closet right now. The blanket is over my laptop yeah. and, <laughs> and microphone. Like, those are the moments that but I Yeah, love. but that's all part of the story and the experience. Like, we used to talk about when we started Feroz's Place. It was... It was a lot of... It had a dungeon feel to it. Because Feroz likes... It. That's his mood. Like, dim lights. You're recording in the evening. And it was a makeshift studio. It was very DIY. He just created the studio because of his music. Yeah. Right? So I remember, like, he'd open a closet door to, to a certain angle and then have a blanket over that and then have a microphone set up in there. So he records his raps there. Like, it was a studio that he built for himself. And he had, he had a little mixing yeah. board and, like... He had a, um, a keyboard with a drum machine and an amplifier and these speakers. And it felt like 
a studio meets bedroom type situation, mm. which was it was a lot of fun. It was great, but then we got to a point like we need to interview other people, and the things that to can because of the format we couldn't do Skype interviews and like mm. call interviews because like you want to actually sit with people yeah. and talk, right? So then your case you had to cover yourself with the blanket when you do the Skype calls. Yeah. For us, it was like okay, how do we get people over? Because the worst episode we've ever done. And just Did because in terms it? of... Of course, yeah, it's public. It's episode uh, uh, four and five with DJ Mo City. Not because it's a bad episode. Great episode. Amazing content. It was a lot of fun. And it was... Um, it took two, We broke it down to two episodes because it was that good. What was bad was that we couldn't have it at Ferocious Place because of like just logistical reasons. We ended up doing it in mine. I'm in a one-bedroom studio apartment. We had like six people in the living room. <laughs> um... I moved my dining table and put it in the middle and moved the coffee table and put the seats around it and we're sitting recording and my brother comes back from work and is just like slams the door open and he's like hey what's up guys and he interrupts <laughs> the conversation and you have all these background noises because like people want to go out for a smoke so like the balcony doors open and close and people talking in the background and, and then like my brother for some reason decides to heat pizza so then you hear the microwave in the back <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah, but like worse sound quality is that what you mean? Yeah, but I was so tense the whole time. Can I just tell you? Can I just tell you? Okay, I just I went to Tunis yeah. recently this summer, and honestly, like you cannot get a quiet moment anywhere. Mm. There was like a million people I was interviewing, mm. whether it was on the street, in their offices, whatever. And honestly, it made me think. Like, this is life. Like putting yourself in a studio and closing yourself up. Life, yeah. It's not the way I don't know a lively city is yeah and I just kind of just was like F it like yeah. this is this is Tunis this is Tunisia it's alive there's like people singing outside there's like people like dr- uh, like on a bicycle going to work there's a motorbike there's people shoveling like rocks like you can't help it and th- this is what makes like the city alive and yeah. w- makes you feel that you're in that space yeah. even if so, you like, don't notice it yeah, yeah. In, in the show though in the beginning design yeah right but, so okay so I was so, right about that it wasn't yeah. actual it took me a long time to so, pick, that, pick up on that by the way yeah so me being very meticulous about a brand and how every detail goes into place Sonic Signature is a big part of it. Yeah. If you think about like... Sonic Signature is yeah. what you call the background noise? No, no, no. Just your audio Sonic branding. Signature is just your audio branding. Oh, cool. For yeah. example, you can always tell a McDonald's ad by its jingle or do or okay, Emirates. Yeah. Like Emirates, even though they have so many different music uh, themes that they play in different ads in different spaces, the moment you hear it, you can tell it's Emirates. Mm-hmm. Even if you heard it for the first time, you can tell it's theirs, right? Mm-hmm. That's a Sonic Signature, right? Mm-hmm. So like... I wanted to design something similar. I remember, and the big <laughs> biggest mistake was we were at this side of town and we decided to go record the Cintico. It was a rainy night and it was like around 2 a.m. We took the zoom and we're like, okay, we need street noises. So then the idea is that even though we're recording in the studio, people need to feel like we're outside of Tucan. So we need that kind of quality, mm. just, you know, life. Exactly, yeah. just like Tunis. We go to TCOM, it's 2 a.m., it's raining. <laughs> All you hear is just like, shh. With just cars passing by, it was a complete waste of like time. <laughs> and then, okay, fine, no, we'll do it another night. And then, keep it in mind, this was around October 2015. Mm. We didn't launch our first episode till like Jan 2016. Mm. So a lot of work has gone into this before we went live. Um, and a big part of it is me learning how to actually get a podcast out there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and like doing these little random things. So like. Was Faraz the editor from that point? Yes. Okay. So here's how things came to you. I don't think we've ever told this story, so this is interesting. Yay. Um, Amir Sulfonic was the producer uh, for Diligent Thought. Diligent Thought was the rap crew that Jib and Faraz were part of back in the day. Mm-hmm. So they were the rappers, which are Jib and Toothless, Faraz and Irshad. Uh, Sulfonic was the producer and beat maker. And DJ Solo, if you remember Solo, was the DJ behind them. So like that was diligent thought the fourth, mm-hmm. and as that package, um, they had they made a lot of music together and they made a lot of great music for a while. Um, so when we came to the can, we're like, oh, yeah, Amir was there was over at Faraz's house that time, and it was we're still talking like we're trying to figure out things. And Amir has gone into retirement; he doesn't do music anymore, just because like he's done, he wants to do other stuff with life. And we looked at him and we were like, do you have like any beats lying around you want to send our way? We can use it as like our jingle, the intro to the show. So the intro to the show is a sulfonic beat. Oh, cool. Right? But it is layered. We took an entire evening where it's Amir, myself, for us, and Jib. We just went out hanging. Like we just, we're hanging out. We went to kick it. We took the mic with us and we just recorded everything we did. So you hear a siren in that intro. Mm-hmm. That's not online. That was actually we were standing under Faraz's house, and it was an ambulance that passed by, mm-hmm. right? Um, the sounds of us in the store. We actually walked into a supermarket. We recorded that entire experience, and then we hung out outside Faraz's old barber shop, and like we we're just sitting there talking trash, and you know, just boys being boys. And then like some, and Amir is a great comic. In mm. person, like he's the, he's the funny guy in the crew all the time. Like he makes all these like jokes and like he reminisces about certain stories and just the way he tells you stories are funny. And now sort of Jib starts laughing and you heard that you hear the laugh in the intro, mm. right? So all of these sounds were there. That's so cool so, that like yeah. ten, fifteen years from now, like one day when you have kids, you're gonna be able to be like, I mean, you're gonna be able to capture such a specific moment and you have all yeah. of these memories connected just. Right, it's gonna be public. That's so cool. So, that's why when you hear this is the beauty that's Firas. Firas, like, he was he's not a producer. He was at a point where he wanted to experiment with production and he wanted to DJ and like, the can lent itself for him to kind of start that. Mm-hmm. So he layered that audio mm. that made the jingle what it is. And at the beginning, uh, this was way before Reem. So like re- later on, we had Reem do the voiceover because he came on the show and wanted a new voiceover. But Firas's sister is a poet. Yeah. So the older episode, it's her sister that did the intro. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, everything's just done at home. For him, he just called his sister. She came in, they recorded, and he sat there for hours and figured it out, and, like, made, he did the entire thing. The first few episodes, you hear our sad T-com street sound of just cars going, like, <laughs> in the rain. Right? <laughs> um, so then, because, like, if we wanted it to be an authentic can experience, like, everything was designed from A to Z. We didn't allow anything to chance as much as possible. So, like, okay, then if we're hanging out by the can outside the stoop and people just come and listen to us, then it's kind of like the listener is that friend that just happened to pass by and come and sit with us. Mm-hmm. So it needs to feel like that. That means the conversation starts and ends in the middle. Like mm. there's no intro mm. to this conversation. Yeah. Um, it's not like, sense. hello and welcome to the Dukan show. Like, we, we don't do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then, okay, cool. But then, you know, we always have these street background noises, so we took that. For us, managed to mix those sounds with some of the street noises when we were walking around. But even then, at the earlier episodes, 
and we're still figuring out levels. At some points, the, the background noise was too high, and sometimes it's too low, you don't hear it. And like, and we just tried so many different ways around it, and then at some point you just hear, it sounded like white noise, mm. because it was just rainy. <laughs> so like, it just it was a lot of experimentation to figure out what it was supposed to sound like. But it wouldn't make sense for it to always sound the same level. Exactly. Because yeah. like, you, you hang out outside at different times. I mean, yeah. I, I no, never did. Just, we looked at By the way, that's the only thing that I don't relate to when what? it comes to being a third culture kid. I have like all of these... Now you guys are fully aware of my family situation and how many yeah. nationalities are in Beit Bundokshi. But um, when you guys would say you just go out and hang out at the Duk, I never went outside really. I was yeah, on my I, computer. I was way, safely was on forums. No, yeah. You're one of the forums? forums? <laughs> oh. Team forums. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Most of my friends came in from that side. Mm. I, I, Typical, typical white girl on the internet scenario where I would like read fan fiction and, yeah. and, and you know but it's not just the white girl yeah, thing yeah. by the way Saudi girls are really into yeah, that yeah they are into Arabic what? forums oh I wish Ew. it was Arabic oh uh, no. you were into English forums but yeah, like, yeah. yes I, like I remember my cousins from Saudi I remember because that's come the only thing if you notice whenever you google anything in Arabic forums Arabic only, forums. Yeah. only. And, like, they no were into like love, like like telenovela equivalents of forums, right? <laughs> and they sit and like read all these stories and like they get depressed and they get really sad. Like what happens? Like la la la, Miriam, oh, Ahmed in the story. I don't know what happened. They get so sad. I'm like, that's huh? so cute. Like and it was like it was just another story that was written by another girl who's into forums as well. So like yeah. they get so emotionally attached to these stories. Yeah, but it's such a beautiful uh, <laughs> way of experiencing adolescence, I feel, like through yeah. these stories and through these... Mm. Now, I guess the equivalent is Snapchat stories of other people or of celebrities. Mm. But it was, a nice, it was a nice space while it lasted. But it's like when you guys lived in compounds, if you did... No, I didn't. Okay, but people that did, huh. would they have hung out at the uh, Dukan of the compound? Like, yeah, was this definitely. a golfy thing? No, I, I have no idea. I was very antisocial growing up. Okay. So, I wouldn't even know. Because hmm. I feel like it was a big part of the 90s. It was. It was huge. Yeah. Like, you and did, what was you your did that? Situation? You were part of? So, if you were a cool, like, cool enough teenager, uh-huh. it was the boys club, very yeah. much so. But if you were a cool enough girl, like, you would get you, to do the get. hangout too. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I remember in Abu Dhabi, it was Spinney's. <laughs> like yeah. Spinney's was a huge to can yeah. hang out, and you know what's funny is that I was there recently and I saw teenagers hanging out Aww. in front there of Spinney's, and yeah. I'm like, oh my god, they still do this! This is amazing. There's so <laughs> much more to do in this city, yeah, right? but yeah, it was a big part of killing time. It was in a really nice way. Yeah. Mm. Because there was nothing to do. No, I yeah, because you, you wouldn't have the money to you. do anything. No, you wouldn't have you're broke. To, yeah. like, I when, when we had Tabit on the show. So Tabit like an old, old friend of mine. Like, If you were a Dubai or a Sharjah kid that hung out in Dubai, their city center is an iconic location. Mm-hmm, you, mm-hmm. Right? It's where like all the b-boys would hang out and like dance. And Tabit was one of those guys. Like, he'd be spitting on his head the whole time. Right? And in the mall itself or outside? Yeah, yeah like in the mall. Back in the day... There used to be a Lexus showroom outside the cinema downstairs. Now it's just a valet parking area. Okay. Right? And it's where fitness first in the mall is. Um, but back then it was like that Lexus showroom. So, you know, the guys would come, park their cars around it, you know, open the doors oh and blast God. music and the b-boys start dancing. <laughs> and the girls would have their little corner where, like, you know, they try to eye the guys from a distance. It was like, there was, you know, there was a sense of, like, 
you created your own weird street culture outside a mall. <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And like it was it was part of things. So that's where I knew Thabit from. And we're talking about like you know this whole back in the day and romanticizing the past. And it's like you guys need to stop making it sound like it's, it was all fun and games. Like we were just broke. You know <laughs> that, right? Because like one dirham you get like a this bag of like six samoon breads in it for one dirham, fifty fills to get a chips I'm on, and like if you're lucky. A wonder I'm like Mountain Dew and you and your guys shared or like back in the day there was steam mm. I don't know if you guys steam there was steam was it steam team or steam something the green can oh, with yeah. the yellow arch uh, with like a yellow I don't thing. even remember that it was so one of the it's like lime sprite or something yeah it was yeah, like yeah. before before that right I think it was called steam team team or just T-E-M? team yeah it? I don't something know. we gotta figure it out <laughs> see this is what I no don't fact check I just <laughs> it was just, just like maybe it's we just shoot the shit okay <laughs> the idea is that for people to hear be like oh that's what it is and for them to correct us are you okay. dying inside of <laughs> no okay, okay cool. good so you're <laughs> why, why would we check it now why would exactly. we break this and, and then nobody cares no exactly cool. so you know <laughs> so it was, it, was, it was that time like you know you get that drink and you're like but it's not because we enjoyed it. It's because, like, we're five, six guys. We didn't want to go home, and we're broke. <laughs> that was it. It's true. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm like, when you look back, you know, it was, it was a good time in its yeah. own way. And, like, you know, that was that was the kind. I remember I was so excited about it. We were in charge of for something. It was me. I took Reem and Omar to charge We were doing something. I was like, you know what? Since we're here, I'm going to give you a charge tour. And, like, my Sharjah tours became very famous because, like, they just, like, certain neighborhoods and the stories behind them in Sharjah. And I took them to where our old Dukkan was. And I remember I parked the car, we went out, and I showed them, like, the little store be, like, behind, between the buildings, right? And while we're there, these two guys come by, and they're like, oh, OT. I'm like, oh, snap, hey, what's up? And we started talking, and I'm like, you see what I mean? You see what I mean? It doesn't matter what time of day it is. You come by Dukkan, somebody is there. Yeah. yeah. Chances are someone's gonna come, and these guys are just passing by. I'm like, this is it, you know? That's this is part of that life. And then when you look back at it as an adult, this is the problem with the romanticizing the past: is that our parents were not okay with us doing that. Like, when oh, I really? see kids doing it? it now, I'm huh. like, your parents know what you're doing because it's just like, <laughs> it's, it's just wasting time. You're just hanging out. You wanted to just do shit. But it's so important. I think, like, as teenagers, I don't think adults gave... Especially now, you have all of these kids that have a billion extracurricular activities, and they don't have that, that space to to unravel their personality or try out like oh let me try a joke oh it did not land never mind I'm not a funny person mm. you know and I also think that that's also how you bond definitely like you need to be bored you need to just need chill to that and I feel that if everything's so planned which I don't mm. know I have no relationship to any teenager that I know like and now I don't know what they do I don't know what they yeah. get up to but I feel like that's how you make the best of your friends is mm-hmm. that you're just at that time yeah this is what you're doing you just hang out you have no plans you you just do what you do that's exactly like, it. You that find happened something. a lot for me the first time I actually socialized with like people in real life first was <laughs> wait how old were you? Yeah, uh, university. No, no, no. I was I was isolated. Like uh, there was there was a By lot choice? of. Actually, this is a question I wanted to ask you guys as well. So my my family, some of them is American, some of them Saudi. So whenever I would venture out in the first realm of socializing, when I would venture out with the Saudi side of the family, 
Like, there was a lot of animosity towards Americans, right? Mm. But they didn't consider that, hey, Cheda is half American. That's how she ties her identity. And when I would hang out with the American side, they wouldn't make the connection that actually I am an Arab that you, yeah. you're not mm. really happy with. Um, so there was this, like, notion in my head where anywhere I go, if people can see what I look like or if we end up talking about who I am in real life, they're not going to see me. They're going to see whatever feature of me doesn't fit what they like I don't know, maybe I was insecure I've never Mm. talked about this before so I've never explored it but anyway, anyway when I finally got into university and it was open enough and I was such a terrible student because I couldn't manage my time at all I didn't like the notion of oh I have a choice to not go to class yeah I won't go to class (laughs) Uh, so we would hang out in front of the A building I'm sure you've seen it when, whenever you would yeah. pass the A building, there was like a group of that people on that front. stoop. Yeah. Yeah. So, you, so you stooped it anyway. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess yeah. you did. See? <laughs> there you go. Um, it had to happen. You can't not stoop it. Yeah. It's a beauty. What's your equivalent of stooping today? This. Mm. Yeah. Like I, I need this. The, the, That's the, so the, therapeutic. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. It is. It's it's amazing. Way to turn that into like. Your job, <laughs> right? Like, and they who said it? Um, Reem said it first because, like, I remember there was a time where I'm like, I don't know where to kind of head it. I don't know what I want to do with it. And like, it was just all these questions. And this was when Reem first joined us and like being part of it. And she's like, No, we got to keep going because she's like, I need it. I was like, Why? She's like, My days are crazy. I need to vent. You know. So it became the space at the beginning for Reem where she just comes and talks about anything, mm. right? And then. When we did Cinema Kills episode with Aina, she was sitting and she's like, at the end of the episode, at the at the end of the episode, she's like, oh my god, I love your sofas. He's like, you don't realize you just sit here and talk, you know? Yeah. She's like, I feel like I needed that. I'm like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, that's true. So and it doesn't happen anymore with just random people, especially in Dubai. I feel like it doesn't apply to me so much because I'm just that type of person where I'm so hungry to just get to know the inside of a person anybody mm. like i'm sure that the inside of them is just so cool um but i feel like in dubai it's really hard to get to that level the only s- shared space where you can bump into a different person that you've never spoken to before is what at a bar at a club mm. and usually it's like very superficial what do you do what's the weather like you know you won't ever go into these yeah. very intimate conversations i love it People are also very busy mm. and they're very guarded. Uh, yeah. yeah, they're very guarded. Why are they guarded here so much? What's there to lose? Nobody knows. It's you. not about something to lose. It's about the difference in cultural understanding. Mm. Yeah. Right? When you're in a place that's a mosaic and people are from so many different cultures, you need to be one self-aware first and two open to new cultures and new experiences. Mm-hmm. Then that breaks down. For example. Um, South Asian, I think dominantly Indian men, they hold hands because they're close friends. Mm -hmm. To someone coming from the West, that throws them off completely, Mm -hmm. right? Um, When they find something they like, they would say it. Most girls are not comfortable dealing with someone like saying that. And it's not with any malice intent. It's just like, oh, you know, just stare you down because they find you pretty for whatever it is. Um, You know, Emiratis, when they say, you know, like the the nose touch. Mm -hmm. These are like just different little pieces of it where like, it scares a lot of people that they become guarded and they want to just keep 
what they're familiar with around them. And this is just my theory of like one of the reasons it's, it feels a little tough at first when you come out here for the first time. And that's why instantly you start finding your tribes and your little cliques and people you get along with. Um, the weirder you are as a third culture kid, the higher the chances you find like-minded people very quickly. I think even and you just not even like-minded, like, like because because like my my guards are so down, or because I'm very comfortable with being vulnerable. I feel like whenever I give that taste to someone else, or like whenever someone drops something and I pick it up and I'm like, oh, you dropped this, and you know, uh, I find out they're a tourist. I'm like, oh, what are you doing here? Is it and and that like little point of conversation starting I think it's just so weird and it doesn't happen often so it's very welcomed I, I noticed yeah. I'm sure it also like the fact that I don't know you have to be able to tell like from a guy's point of view I, I feel it a lot mostly with women because they're guarded more of course guys, yeah yeah right for obvious reasons yeah. Yeah, yeah. so the idea of you kind of just put yourself out there and just like state your purpose first before starting a conversation then makes them somewhat comfortable mm. um, whereas with guys it's just like this is like a head nod like yo what's up and you know something else. it's like my old boss <laughs> my old boss was funny right he's like so he's um, he's Indian Canadian uh-huh. and he went to Boston he was like taking a master's course at Harvard so he used to fly back and forth a lot and he was there for like uh, exams or something and he messages me on whatsapp he's like yo you're not gonna believe it he's like I was walking down the street and like I got the head nod from five black guys and like that made his his time there. Like, he just loved <laughs> getting that kind of attention. It was like he's like it feels like respect. I'm like it's just guys saying hi. Man. <laughs> That's <laughs> all it is. That's all that it is. But like Wait in his head, <laughs> in his head, it was such a big deal, right? And he's like he's like I feel black now. And he's like no, what are you guys? I'm like no, no. you're not there. You're not. Just let's not get into that conversation, right? But like it's the same thing. We're like even here whenever you look up and you see someone that kind of feels familiar they would say hi mm-hmm. guy from a guy to a guy right mm-hmm. but then guy to a girl it's always a bit you know like i get into the elevator at home or in the office I'm like oh hi you know it's coming there's people there i can always tell if you're fresh off the boat because chances are you just say hi back right mm-hmm. most people here don't do that oh my and gosh this is how i could tell you new to town if even if you've been here for like a year or two you're friendly enough to be like oh hello right but once we've been out here, they like they just give you this like mean mug. I have the worst reason. summary joke in the world. It's terrible. Summary joke. Like it's a joke about. Okay. Go for it. Like that encompasses this. Okay. I'll laugh out loud to kind of make it sound. We'll try. Yeah. yeah. It's so sad though. What's the difference between an expat and a racist? What's the difference? Two weeks. Like <laughs> 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 it's so sad though, but it does it does like fall into that just because like so I specialize in something called change management at mm. work where the notion of something new is very horrifying and it can be potentially traumatic to people especially when it comes to i was working in it so i would roll out like systems and tech systems are really scary to people so this notion of like newness and not having guidelines as to what etiquette to follow or not having like a kpis of hey if you smile to people you will get uh, you know, a reward system. You know, it's just it's very different, and I think that's that's the biggest part. It goes back to your and my conversation, Razan, when we were talking about like how I'm just so starry-eyed about Dubai, 
and you've been like oh and I and I <laughs> yeah I'm just like wow these sets of new new <laughs> eyes are so refreshing <laughs> but I think like I, but the thing is that that goes anywhere it's not just the Dubai thing right? like if you've been somewhere yeah. for so long yeah you, you see just, you, you see the stuff to critique yeah, like you go to New York mm. Yo, like they can, they smell that you're new. They can yeah. tell that you're not from here, right? <laughs> and like I remember, <laughs> that's this is how I know I was in New York. Hmm. Like, forget everything, forget the scenery, forget you know the city, the buildings, and no, this is how you know you're new and you don't belong. Like they know how to make you feel like you don't belong. Is that I remember I was getting into the subway and people are getting out and this little like. Probably she was like 13. This girl just like elbow, shoulder bumped me. I was and I looked at her. I'm like, yo. And she's like, what, what, what? And she's like, what? Are you I'm like, serious? I'm like, damn. Holy <laughs> shit. You know? And that's the moment we're like, yeah, this is New York, right? Yeah. Like they can tell you're not from there, so they yeah. no problem. Like if that happened with a New Yorker, she would have not done that, mm. right? But she could tell I'm not from there. And she's like, what, what? what? Damn, girl. Okay, shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> so what do you what do you think like, is the perception of expats or like people coming here and facing yeah. people like us? Yeah. Because we're well, on yeah, the other we side. We, yeah. we kick out all of the stereotypes, don't yeah. we? But yeah. here's the thing. Reem Rim says I always got the stank face, so I scare people off. Like I always mean mug for no reason. But I was like, that's not the case. When I'm thinking about something and I'm focused, I might actually tend to look angry, but I'm not. Um and Reem on the other end, she's just very welcoming and just very happy and, you know, it's always smiling. How many years has she been here? Reem? Ten years. Okay, like, just yeah, kidding. You're still mean. Ten years, you're, just, you're almost there. Soon enough. <laughs> Soon enough, you'll start mean mugging. Um, but, like, have, have you, okay, you guys, you seen the Mayweather? Uh, no, fight? I, uh, okay. the, <laughs> was not interested. <laughs> okay, the girls, that whole, you know, like, um, the flag girls that show up the numbers, um, so they were wearing branded tops. Mm-hmm. And they got to make sure that that top is shown on camera. They've been briefed very well. And they had the smile on their face the entire time that it got creepy. Yeah. Right? Like, it's a fake smile. They're models. They get paid to do this. Yeah. And it's just, you can tell it's a fake smile. But then they hold it for so long, so well. And, yeah. like, you know, the interviewer on camera is trying to interview, like, Floyd Mayweather or trying to interview McGregor. And they <laughs> and the thing is, they know where to stand in the camera. Like and like she she grabs the other girl and she pulls her so they make sure they're positioned in a way that you can see them between the two guys. Right? And they stand here with a smile and it just got really creepy. <laughs> and like I feel like when you're new, you're just like, Oh my god, yeah, you got this yeah. big smile on your face and you get excited to discover things. But then in reality, after a while you kinda get this mean mug that takes over slowly but surely. Mean is it? I don't know. RBF. I think so. I resting. Think, I yeah, don't know if I can resting say the yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think so. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't notice. I didn't notice. But no, I was talking more like me and the Razan were were bonding over the fact that when we walk into the GCC line, uh, <laughs> I have for for listeners that don't know what we look like. I have blue hair. Razan has a nose piercing. <laughs> no abayas. No abayas. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, are you treated differently? It's it's a shock. Like, how many times I walk up to the GCC line and um, the lady's like, oh, no, this is for GCC. Yeah, only. I always get that. And, and you're like, like hi. <laughs> <There> you <go. laughs> I, I do this trick now where I hold my passport in front of my, uh, like, as though I'm holding it 
just by coincidence, but they can see the green, so it's so cool. It's chill. Question, do you... It's interesting we kind of came into this. Hmm. Uh, do you feel like back home when you do... When you go to do deal with anything, whether it's like um, getting paperwork done or you, any kind of... Uh, any work, do you feel that you get treated as second-class citizens? I'm very lucky for many reasons. In Saudi, like... Um, the fact that I have to wear abaya, mm. so it uniforms me okay. without mm. me meaning to. And you'd be surprised at how many women, when they're in an all-women's environment, which is the only place that you can get any of this paperwork stuff done, okay. um, we were talking about earlier how 70% of the population is my age or younger. Yeah. Everybody wants, you know, piercings. Everybody wants colored hair. That's a cool thing to do in university and high school now. And so we're all standing in this and everybody's just like very chill and nobody knows like when when you're in the room or in the hall where you're waiting or getting your official stuff done um people don't know when you walk out are you gonna be wearing naqab are you gonna be wearing a tarha are you gonna walk out nobody knows because everyone's just like uniform have has taken off their yes exactly so it's like it's that's a very safe it's a very safe space a little unorganized. I used but to joke safe. about it. When you, when you fly to Europe, you could always tell Saudis in the summer because... <laughs> <laughs> They're like, woohoo! <laughs> I mean, that's one. No, but I was like, you could always tell because... They're like they just looked at a mannequin and they're like, I want that. <laughs> <laughs> so I I remember when I used to go to London. Right, there's see, no like, street fashion. Yeah, yeah, there's you're no like, street fashion. There is none. So Everybody's not, just oh. taking <laughs> exactly. exactly what they see yeah. on fashion blogs or whatever. Yeah, and yeah. it's just and I'm like I'm back there, so you know. And Good for you to be able to notice it though. Like right? as it's a guy, very I don't obvious. Hear it. Is it? Yeah. Like when a guy who's been wearing kandora or like thobe. For so long, for so and they, long, especially and the dad yes. one. Civilian clothing yeah, is like you could the tell. dad golfies are so cute. Oh, like where, where they wear like the their big cargo shorts and that so Ferrari hat. Yeah, <laughs> and there's a lot of lime colors now. It's like a yes. lot of fluorescence, yes. and you're like, you need to tone it yes. down. You know what would be good business? Huh. <laughs> to just have a training, fashion yes, fashion consulting for that for that target only, yeah, just like etiquette school. Yes, and yeah. set it up in the circuit. So set it up between London, Marbella, responsibility. You know where they're gonna be. Yeah. Istanbul now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just set it up in the circuit, and you're just yeah. like available for consultation. Yeah. <laughs> and then you should take a commission from the yeah. fee that they pay to buy these clothes. Oh That's my right. god! Like but what style, if, like a stylist? What if yeah. the way they look at it is the other way? Like these people have taken it for granted that they don't need to wear a uniform. Let me show them the way with my fluorescent shorts. Mm, what if that's not. their mentality? De- definitely not a thought process. <laughs> you know what the problem... Like you struggled making that up. <laughs> the problem is, is that the import of fa- of what's fashionable classically like in the Khadij mm-hmm. has been like designer brands. Yeah. So obviously they're going to turn and be like, I want, want this, this same mannequin. Same, same. same. Yeah, you know? Yeah, same, same. Exactly. <laughs> and that that's the problem is that like fashion and its evolution obviously is changing mm-hmm. and like... Yeah. You need style. You need to be yeah. able to like wear it well, and that ain't nobody got time for that. Like you go to London, you're like, I need, <laughs> I need my like jacket and my sneakers, mm-hmm. and 
You know what I mean? I don't know. Maybe yeah. this is a horrendous generalization, I but I feel like maybe because we're Khadijis, we can make them. You can make it, yeah. You can get away with it. <laughs> yeah. You can say that, yeah. 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 And you're an honorary Khadiji. Oh, yeah. Because, like, like you just know too. way more statistics than I do. No, I, I know you watch more Saudi YouTube than yeah, I do, for sure. And I grew up here, so <laughs> just by proxy, I feel like I can say what I want to say. Yeah. yeah in that space. But, like, I say the same thing, like, about Sydney's people. Like, I go, always tell them Sydney's people are fresh off the boat, too. Mm-hmm. Um, because for some reason, especially, like, the new age ones who are exposed to some kind of fashion because of the internet, because that plays a part now, mm-hmm. there's still certain elements they don't let go of. For example, now, loafers are, like, a thing, but for some reason, they're very sandy colors, like brown and, and beige into yellow, mm-hmm. you know? Um, like, khaki kind of colors. But then, when they wear shirts... They're always for some. They're button-up shirts, but they're short sleeve. Okay. I don't know why. There's this thing about short sleeve button-up shirts, okay. right? Like Hawaiian um, like shirts. Prince? Is that what you're talking none, about? none. It's just weird. Here's the thing. They're it seems more practical in seven. It's like the the shades of sand, okay. right? And and fashion. Okay. But then with a hint of like green or yellow, okay. that kind of pops up out of nowhere. Earthy so, stuff. Yeah, it throws you off completely, okay. right? Um, and when they have long sleeve shirts. I don't know, it's just... If it's hot, you know, you'd think you'd roll up your seams. No, 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 they just, they they just, just keep it. They just keep it. And the way they carry themselves and, like, the the, way, the fit of the clothes, too. Like, it tends to be, like, a size or two, a little bit bigger, you know? And you can... You see it, you're like, okay, fine, yeah. Like, you're... you're you just came from Sudan last week. Like, I, I just How do you see feel it. about that, though? You know, like, now... So, so my experience of mass communication with all of these different people is that I moved from my safe space of broadcasting to um, expats and halfies, uh, half Saudi, half yeah. whatever else. The, the same thing here. They call each other halfies. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's good to know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I switched it where now we're all Arabic. So I'm being exposed to now people from, you know, that fresh off the boat vibe where they're not, they're, you know, English isn't their language. They're not in the same circles. They don't consume the same media. So, it, but I feel like there's such a beauty to to the fact that they could stay away from it and that they don't like get sucked into the whatever the mainstream thing mm-hmm. at the time is. Maybe that's the new hipster. Is the it fresh is. off the boat huh. fashion? Huh. Well done. Well done. Well done. <laughs> like, I like that. That's it. Like there you, you know what I mean? There's honoring that. Yeah. That's I mean, what's his name? Has that's his show, right? Um, why am I forgetting his name right now? The uh, the Asian comedian from oh. Vice. Fresh off the boat has as a sitcom. Eddie Wong. Mm-hmm. Eddie Wong. His the series is fresh off the boat, or like Chinese family the that, that thing. moved yeah, to yeah. the U.S. Right. Yeah, yeah. So it's very funny. Yeah, it's, it's I a, like them it's all a great lot. show. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's very well done because it was written by like Asian Americans, mm. so like they have certain quirks about them that they know how to write. Yeah. Which is great because like you can't fake the funk. Right? Yeah. So you got to stay yeah, true yeah, to it. Yeah. So that's why the story works. Um, but that's what makes it also very relatable. Like. To us, and when I was in the states, I felt fresh off the boat at certain places, but then at other places, I felt very comfortable. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, oh, like where? So in San Francisco, I remember when I first got there. Okay, so when I first got there, I ended up spending most of my time like um, San Jose, and then Sacramento. Then I went down to San Francisco, and when I got there, I stayed in Tenderloin. Mm-hmm. If oh, no way. Yeah. That's so interesting. Right. If you've been, you know Tenderloin. 
It's just like tourists don't go to Tenderloin, okay. right? Um, it's just like a lot of junkies on a corner and <laughs> things like that. Did um, you hear our Yemen episode? No. So the guy that we interviewed, his name is Mukhtar. He grew yeah. up in Tenderloin. Oh, no way. And he said mm-hmm. that someone famous, I can't remember now, said... Dave Chappelle. Yeah, ain't nothing tender about that place. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Dave Chappelle. That was, that was when Dave Chappelle did a stand-up in uh, San Francisco. He's like, he's like, who the hell calls it Tenderloin? He's like, ain't none tender about Tenderloin, right? And he was right, because... Tenderloin is like rough, mm. and and it's not in a San Francisco context. It's rough, <laughs> <laughs> not in an American context. Just a San Francisco context. So if you know, for like so where it's like there's litter around. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> dirty. You smell like <laughs> and piss in the corner. Oh, that's um, intense. Yeah. Oh, when you said San Francisco version, I'm thinking about like. Uh, t- uh, Silicon Valley people being like, it's exactly so nice. it. That's exactly. So Silicon wouldn't Valley. it be like a lighter version? It's not intent. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because they're like <laughs> Silicon Valley kids. But that's that was it. That that's Tenderloin. So like, and you know, like you have junkies and homeless people like sleeping everywhere. Um, and okay, I, I is that the one that you felt at home at? No, I felt at home at Oakland. Okay. Because when I went to Oakland, Oakland is dominantly black, right? Mm-hmm. It's just across the bridge from San Francisco, and I. If, Tenderloin, where I, I come back to Tenderloin, but Oakland first, because Oakland, I find out, has a high population of like um, Ethiopian, Eritreans, and Sudanese. Uh, okay. So it just kind of. And the thing is that. So all of them are third culture. Anywhere you go in the world, for some reason, East Africans, when you see each other at any other part of the planet, you can tell they're from there. And they just <laughs> look at you, and we have the stare, we're like, ah, ah, you are, right? <laughs> you know, like, they have this thing. So, like. It just, yeah, I could tell. And I remember, because we were up at like 6 a.m., we were going to go to Vegas. Uh, we're going to L.A. and Vegas, like my my flatmates and I and like a couple of friends. We went to pick up a friend from Oakland in the morning. And it was like 6 a.m., you know, we were just hanging out at a 7-Eleven. We were chilling, and we were waiting for this guy to come by. And, you know, people were going to work. A few of them came and stopped by, and it's like all these Ethiopian people. And as they come, they could tell. They look at me. They know where I'm from. Can and we just know. discuss the irony that you're hanging outside of Seven Eleven? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's okay. so cool. Yeah. Okay. Right? I didn't even catch that. <laughs> Nicely done. And these guys are passed, but as they're going in or out, or like one of them comes out to smoke, they look at me and like they say hi, you know. And my flatmate Maury, Italian dude, and he's like, it's not from like the city, like Italian, Northern Italy, grew up on a wine farm, um, like you know, growing <laughs> grapes and yeah, <laughs> not, like he's, he's like that country kind of Italian kid mm-hmm. and he's like bro how do you know everybody here I looked up like Maury it's let me tell you um, there's a thing when it comes to black people we actually all know each other like we're cousins and distant relatives or like friends of friends so you know in such communities everybody knows everybody and I started with this kind of seriousness and he's like oh really I'm like yeah I'm like, like there's a directory that yeah, you yeah. have to register exactly. at I'm like, so everybody knows <laughs> it so like when they see you they recognize that you're from that crew, even if we're not direct friends, they recognize it, so they say hello. Like, oh my god, I'm like, yeah, dude, that, that's how it is. We all know each other. <laughs> and <laughs> unless he listens to this show, till today, more <laughs> no, 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 come on. I did not correct it. I just decided to let that, let that simmer. And let he's it be. spreading it, and <laughs> people probably are probably it. not telling yeah, him. Exactly. So <laughs> I let him have it. Um, <laughs> oh my god. Right. So that's the thing. Oakland was that oh comfortable. Okay. Tenderloin. Um, this is how you know it was like a little kid from Charger moving into Tenderloin and things were shocking. Um, first night, I remember I went to I went to university. I went to school, and you know after school we were just meeting new friends and we went out. We hung out. We went out to dinner and drinks and all that. I was going. I was walking back at like midnight, 
And the entire time, like, it's San Francisco, I guess. And that's when I got the shock of, like, what Tenderloin really is. That was fine. The real kicker, I don't think I've ever said this on an episode, so this is exciting. Um, the real part, I'm like, oh, what have I gotten myself into? Um, this homeless woman, like, late 40s, early 50s, she might actually be younger, but just because she's homeless, she looked that bad. Mm. Um, with, like, patches of hair missing mm. from her head and no teeth. Smells like a toilet. Um, passes by me, and she walks up the street ahead of me, and like, and she's talking to herself, and like she's mumbling things to herself, and she just runs up in front of me and gets on top of the car on the hood, pulls down her pants, and takes a shit on the hood of the car. Right. Okay. And as soon as I saw that, I just looked around, like, am I the only person seeing this? And people were just walking up and down the street, nobody's bothered. I'm like. How are people okay with this? Mm. And to make matters worse, after she was done, she kind of gets up and like kind of wiggles her ass, pulls up her pants, and walks off like nothing happened. And I'm just frozen there, like, what is going on? And just nobody reacted. I'm the only one f- worried about what I'm looking at, and that's what that's how you could tell I was fresh off the boat, basically, right? Mm-hmm. Because to other people, they've seen it before so many times, it was normal. Mm. To me, I was freaking out seeing this, and I remember I like okay. Let's make it back to the hotel, you know? And this is the thing. San Francisco is so expensive. The only cheap hotel I found was in Tenderloin. Mm-hmm. And now I know why. Right? <laughs> um, made it back. And back then I used to smoke. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go get smoke. So I went down to the store. And I'm walking, I walked in, you know, I, was, I thought I'd buy a few things. And I hear Arabic music in the shop. And this is how you know, like, I'm so immune to hearing Arabic music that I didn't register it, mm-hmm. right? Until it, like hold on, I'm not in Dubai, in San Francisco, what, what is this? And mm. I went and like, I went to the guy, I was like, hey, where are you from, man? I'm like, you're an Arab. And he's like, yeah, I was like, yo, what's up? <laughs> you know, and we started talking, and I was like, how are you running a 24-7 shop here? And he's like, oh, you get used to it. I was like, I've, I saw, I watched this go down. He's like, oh, man, you see a lot of that. Like, I'm telling you about this, and I'm like, I'm like, why is this so normal? I was like, oh, man, you know, you're homeless, some are drug addicts and all these problems in the area. So, so how are you running the shop 24 7 he's like they don't do anything like most of them come and they just like want to buy a cigarette or want to buy a drink and like a few times they try to steal but like they're not dangerous like, okay sure if you say so I'm like it's still weird I don't care what you say um <laughs> and then I was and this is the thing that weirded me out I'm in Oakland for a Nas concert right with like these two other guys from school and a fight breaks out right before the concert outside in the street I was still, I was just standing there watching the fight like everybody else that did not phase me okay. but the woman taking a dump threw me off completely okay right? so well, it, I guess it's it just weird goes comfort to show, levels it goes to yeah. show like how how just as social creatures we're accustomed to stuff I think that's what makes it even more interesting about Dubai like everybody who comes in from Dubai majority like right they come from India or they come from yeah. uh, North African countries and they come from like these honor societies that like we function similarly in the sense that the bigger picture reputation, um, you know, family, those things are big to us. Yeah. So maybe it's not as jarring. I don't know. I, that sounds jarring though. It sounds jarring because you're in I, San Francisco. I think Francisco. a fight would freak me that out. That too. Though. I think because I knew I'm in San Francisco, I didn't expect it in San Francisco. Like, but what yeah. if you were somewhere else? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Because, like, there, I mean, LA, LA was the very interesting one. So, I have a friend of mine from high school that moved there. 
and she went to film school there, and like she stayed in LA. And I remember, you know, we we're going out, and it was just around Thanksgiving when I was there. And like a few days later, I remember we wanted to go check out this party. We stopped by the store, and I was in the car. She went down to buy a few things. In the parking lot next to me is this car. Doors are open, music blasting. These like three black guys hanging out. One of them's dancing. He's just guys doing being guys, can guys having fun, right? Um, and a few minutes later, someone knocks on my window. I rolled down my window. I'm like, hey, what's up, man? And he's like, hey, yo, dog. He's like, I don't mean no disrespect to anything. I was trying to holler at Shorty in the store, and she tells me she would chew. So, you know, I don't mean no disrespect. Aww, I came cute. to apologize. He's like, if you guys are down, we're going to this party. You guys should come with us. I'm like, huh? really? <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting there like, for real? Like, I was just on my phone. Like, I didn't even notice. But like, what? You <laughs> do that? <laughs> you so good. I was in LA for three months, right? Because Hakeem was doing an acting uh, course. And it is, I think that's where, one of the places where I felt most at home, because it's like an oversized networking event, mm. where everybody mm. needs to be friendly with each other, because you don't know, who you know, you, who, who you're person. talking yeah. to, especially when it came to Uber and stuff, I don't know how long ago mm. you were there for, but, um... It's just, uh, you know, everybody's really friendly and they're like, hey, you know, like, and it's, granted, a lot of people complain about the fake friendliness, like how it is a networking mm. friendliness. Yeah. But I prefer that. Like, you, y- still you talk know to why you're friendly. Yeah. 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 You know why you're friendly. I know why you're friendly. It's nice to be friendly, even if it's not like we're not going to be bestest best friends for life, mm. but it's a nice uh, experience. Eventually, yeah. you benefit somehow, both of you. What about you? Where have I felt most at home? Yeah. I don't know. I don't think I've found it yet. Yeah. Hmm. Like that feeling where I'm like, I, I loved living in Boston so yeah. much. I think because it was such a pivotal time in my life, I was like between the ages of 17 and 22. So I felt like I grew up there in a weird way and yeah. I really found, I don't know. Not found myself. I don't think I found. I don't think I've ever found myself. But like, I found out who I was. Or at least what you like to do because you had that autonomy and you had the ability to just try out things for the sake of it. And you're uncensored there. Yeah, completely. And but then. I was also in a, Boston is and was very liberal. Like it was two mm. years after nine eleven. I expected way more hostility, but it was very, people were very gracious and like very cool. Right. And my friends, I had a lot of Asian American friends. Actually, the majority of them, I stayed away from the Arabs. <laughs> like it I was hear a that conscious. A lot. <laughs> it's funny. It's like it Saudis was, abroad, they're like, oh no, Saudis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I don't, I don't know, do yeah. that. Um, but there weren't many because it was two years after 9-11 yeah. so many had left mm-hmm. or didn't get their visas renewed or mm-hmm. like went to school elsewhere or transferred and so it's funny and a lot of I had some culture shock moments mm-hmm. like I'll, I think one of them which I think happened to a lot of people though was walking into CVS which is the pharmacy oh, yeah. Yeah. and I honestly was and like, like candy and like milk at a yeah. pharmacy yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the that selection yeah. the selection completely threw me off yeah. like the options that you had for mm. Panadol or whatever they don't even have yeah. Panadol like Advil or Tylenol or whatever yeah, unlimited yeah, uh, that's and one I thing think, I can't stand about the states. Yeah, it's it was of, big. 
choice. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's you get overwhelmed by the choice. Yeah. Of the thing yeah. But no, for me, like I can say things like I bought milk and I bought a phone charger from a pharmacy. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And and I think like I think I did feel at home because even walking through areas that were not so great it's almost like I was passable as Hispanic mm. yeah so it was never with. yeah so I had the, I felt the same advantage I, like unless I sat and we had a conversation I told yeah. you I came from white you would not get it right so yeah. it was just that other black guy walking around the street so but on the flip side I felt it on nights where like it's a cold night I'm walking home from school and I'm in a hoodie people used to get out the out, out of my way they'd move because they'd, they'd be the like street. oh yeah. warning exactly like I've had people cross the street to avoid me that's you know? so sad <laughs> but isn't like, there a so guy sad. protocol of like if you're walking alone at night and there's a girl walking in front of you you yeah. would cross ideally right? you're supposed to right yeah but the thing is it's not just, it's not the girls <laughs> <laughs> this is what I'm trying to say it's just <laughs> anybody how does that feel how does it because I, I that, was, that the, was my culture shock I'm like wrong and then it took me a minute to get it right oh, okay. because then it's just this dude with like can i be more stereotypical like in a hoodie with like beats headsets walking home at midnight like, hmm. I, I don't know but i'm like bro debate debate but i get it like but at the same time it was mixed emotion in a way like I'm trying to be understanding but mm. also slightly offended mm. right like mm. so it was this weird space where I didn't know how, how to respond to it how do get offended by fear because I face the opposite thing where yeah. there I don't think there's anybody in the world that would ever be afraid of me yeah. in any way mm. um, but what's what does that like I, I see it a lot in front of me Hakim uh, the way he looks like Hakim has a heart of gold so one time, um, like a lot of times, someone dropped something and Hakim's like very open so he would pick it up and he'd be like, excuse me, excuse me to someone. And, you and know, like someone lost. traveling or walking and yeah. they're going to want to ignore the fact up. that yeah. someone's trying to talk to them. Yeah. And I noticed that like there's a fear of someone that you don't need to be afraid of. I can't imagine what that feels like to know that someone is afraid of you that's so weird but then we're like if we're on the other side of it right Mm. like if I'm walking alone at midnight Mm. it doesn't matter which guy walking around me like no matter how he looks I'll usually if he's walking alone actually no if he's walking alone and with a group yeah and there's no girls there I'll probably either walk just a little faster or just be aware or like cross the street mm. because if it's late at night yeah definitely I think yeah. if it was late oh, at man, night it doesn't even night, need yeah. to be anybody that I can see like when I walk out of the house and it's night like it's just you know you feel like someone's reaching from behind but <laughs> that's so effed like to feel like you're A it's very powerful to feel like you are intimidating intimidating mm. Mm. When you're just walking home. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm listening to Angelo and I'm walking home. Like, <laughs> but no, like on a real, but like in a way, yeah, it, it had that. But here's the thing. Like if, you know, San Francisco is like a dog city. Everybody's chant like there are some, I remember there's a stat that at a point there are more dogs than people. Yeah. Right. And my flatmates obviously had a dog and it's a, I don't even know the breed, the little white cute ones. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So when I walk the dog, people are very friendly. Now, That's so interesting. Right? But yeah. then when I'm just on my own, just people avoid me. Um, and when I'm like with people from school, people are friendly. So mm. it's just like I remember I got stopped by the cops driving LA to Vegas, right? And that sinking feeling that I had at that moment is is just undescribable, mm. right? Because that was at a time where just things just started. People just started getting shot, and like white people were getting, mm. you know, murdered by cops, and it, that just kicked off. So I started panicking. Yeah. And you know, I'm trying to keep play it cool, and like on the outside, I might have looked on this. I'm like, God, please. you know. <laughs> and it's funny, you feel guilty, and you didn't do anything. Nothing, mm. right? And at that moment, I was just... I remember I counted my blessings because I had Maury, who looks... The Italian, Italian guy who thinks Maury. you're all related. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's in there. And I like... And and we had Paco, who's a little Filipino dude, was passed out in the back seat, and, like, his girlfriend's next to him. So, like, I'm the only black guy in the car. I was like, okay, good. They should work fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And that's where... <laughs> that's so sad. That's, that's so that's sad. I laugh because it's so uncomfortable. I it just is. can't that's imagine where the... I based my hopes at that because I'm with those people nothing's gonna happen right and maybe I was wrong maybe I was right nothing did happen but I mm. just based it on that mm. right yeah. that was like if anything goes on th- this is it like I've got people with me that you know that's so something happens. yeah but like as part of it was part of the whole experience I guess that's why there's like different comfort levels I felt in different places there definitely yeah. I feel blessed I feel blessed that majority mm. of my life I've only been in the Middle East so yeah. literally that those three months in LA was the only time that I was in the States other than when I was a kid mm. yeah. But, yeah you know I met this girl like a year ago now and she came from I want to say Louisiana okay. I think She's black, and she moved here to be an intern at some petroleum institute in Abu Dhabi. And while she was here, she was also, like, studying journalism or something. And she wrote, or she was in the process of writing a piece on the African-American community in... Experience here? Yeah. Oh, God. Their experience here is amazing. Yeah, it must be so different. Yo. Mind blown. Yeah. When you talk to them, it's it's interesting. Like, I was... Like I would have followed up that story with when I'm in Dubai and I interact with the cops, I feel very comfortable, mm-hmm. right? Like, even if I get stopped by police for whatever reason, we hang out. I'd probably throw in a couple of jokes and, and you know they'd get it and they'd be cool and like yeah. uh, you know because like the cops here are genuinely to service the people, mm. right? So you feel incredibly comfortable when they're mm. with them around you. After yeah, you have like when they first yeah. come out. I remember one of the guys told me. Um, who was a teacher in Abu Dhabi. He was like, he was on a freeway, he's changing a flat tire, the cop stopped. And he panicked. Look, like, I'm not doing anything. Oh, I just got a flat tire. They're like, no, no, it's fine. We'll help you out. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know? And he was in shock and he couldn't believe it. I'm like, yeah, they, they do that here. Yeah. You know, but like, for him, it was just this, like, he could not believe it. Yeah. Um, and their experience here is really fascinating. Remember one of them told me, was like, one of the reasons why they love being in this part of the world was that our, our, our Arab interest in, like, African-Americans generally mm. as, like, a Western culture? Because, like, let's be honest, anything that is cool is defined by black people, mm-hmm, right? Yeah. Like, in that sphere. So especially when it comes to, like, American media as well. It's, you know... Especially, like, when, when you're looking at 
just the imagery of it, you can relate to the person who has a Lamborghini and who <laughs> is represented by no. their, their skin color. You do color. not relate to that. No, okay. but... Like, I don't relate to that in any way. Like, okay? the My dream. dusty ass car does not look like that. And, no, we see it on a daily basis. You're going to tell me that you don't see a Porsche every single no, day yeah. on every single block? Here's the thing. I'm not phased by it because exactly. I see it so much. But exactly. it doesn't but mean that... It's not relatable like yeah, uh, yeah. like, like, like oh, you I'm, have I'm, like I, diamonds falling out of your pockets while you walk. But in the sense that of if if you're gonna look at like um, you know I'm I'm trying to think of a really random mainstream white person or like hip hop yeah. culture you're going to be like oh that's more relatable there's a sense of family there's a sense of community it's, yeah agree they are more relatable because they have yeah. that right yeah, yeah it's like I don't know I'm probably gonna offend a lot of my white friends but like their food is bland versus you know like African American soul food it's, it's got flavor and it's mm-hmm. got like it's, it's spicy. delicious and yeah. spicy you know yeah. so like that's that's relatable to us living here because yeah, yeah. like if it's not I'm gonna put the kus on everything yeah right <laughs> so, like it's the same thing it always reminds me like where's the shopla exactly yeah. and when you do that, I remember this Fresh Prince episode where Jazzy Jeff came and he uh, and he brought like chicken wings and like this like street food and you know like the Windex sprays mm-hmm. they had hot sauce in that and that's how they're spraying their chicken like, right yeah, bad idea. so that's what I'm saying they're very li- relatable in that way yeah, yeah, yeah. right so they re- so there's they, extra friendliness when exactly. they come so here. when they come here they don't see it they're right? like a celebrity like, like um, <laughs> uh, one of my friends uh, James Andrews so James like an old mentor of mine and um, he runs a company Troy the one the one of the co-founder one of the CEOs uh, the CEO of uh, Spotify Troy mm-hmm. oh Troy I, I don't remember his last name but like it's ha- them they partnered and with another company and they launched something called Smash Labs okay it's like a, an incubator a publishing space and like an agency all in one huge machine and like whenever he has friends coming into town he connects me with them he's like hey you, oh, you want to see Dubai that's my guy you should connect mm. with the team when you go down and he connected with this uh, couple that came in for like uh, a few days so this woman is a, is a writer and a podcaster out of New York and like she's written books and she's a teacher and like academia and you know she's very successful very established and she's she's telling me her story she's like this Dubai is very fascinating she's like as soon as we got into the airport we're at passport control the guy was very friendly and he's smiling and he's throwing jokes at her and like she's telling like you know and he eventually looks at her he's like, he's like oh you look like Nicki Minaj and she's like do I how do I look like Nicki Minaj <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, nothing like her but I was like you need to realize that's their yeah. reference point. <laughs> yeah. So, like, that's it. Doesn't matter whether you do or not. You're African American. You look like yeah, the American. accent. <laughs> you know, you know exactly. Yeah. Vaguely same right. mannerisms. <laughs> yeah. So that that's it. To her, that's the reference. And I was like, you get used to it. But she, she was talking about how incredibly friendly people were to them here. Mm. And I'm like, but that's the thing. And um, an old friend of ours said it is like as African Americans what they like like being here is also because a sign of success and wealth and progression and movement and change in a place that is not white led mm. right that's it's, so it's an interesting Arabic nation it's an Arabic country it's the Middle East yeah. right so in a lot of ways when you come out here and you see this kind of success for them it puts them at ease mm. they feel some kind of comfort in this space they mm-hmm. relate to it very well mm. plus 
everybody thinks that they're either a rapper or some kind of celebrity yeah. or like an actor or a singer or something. So they also like that kind of attention as well. That's, that's part of the package, you know? It's like so, a nice bonus. You should write like yeah. a little tourism pamphlet <laughs> exactly for African-Americans. For yeah, like, okay, when you guys are in town, but that is what you need to <laughs> watch out for. Yeah? And, and that's their experience here. And they love it. Like, they yeah. really enjoy being here. Hmm. And that's why more and more coming in now, like over the past few years, the numbers of African-Americans yeah. have been shooting. So interesting. Because yeah. then on the flip side, the African Americans that we have, there's a really big community in Jeddah because it's so close to Mecca. Mm. And, you know, mm. Muslims uh, come there and they're usually converts. And and it's, it's just very interesting as well. Like over there, mm. I mean, I'm not going to say it's easy because, you know, it, it, it's not as inclusive or like international as Dubai. Yeah. But... Um, there is definitely like a, a friendliness to oh cute you're a convert oh cute you <laughs> you talk like an American <laughs> talk English with me you know <laughs> that's funny yeah no I heard they have no desire of going back no, like why are you like, yeah you're you're scared about politics and laws there and you come here and it's just it's so great yeah. mm. it's very comfortable like um the at some point, the dean of student services at AUD, she was she was the dean of student services at Princeton. Mm-hmm. And she moved out here from New York, and she's like, and she's Blasian, like she's half black, half Korean. Mm-hmm. Um, Blasian. Yeah. Never heard of that before. No. Nice. That's the term, by the way. They're mm-hmm. Blasian. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, she was talking about how she felt very comfortable here. She's like, I let my. She's like, she has like a strict curfew for her daughter anyway because she was like seven or eight at the time but she's like she said like even if my daughter is out late at night I'm okay I know she's safe Mm -hmm. right so that she's like that sense of safety has been deprived from her for so long where she suddenly feels it and she's like a breath of fresh air Mm. so she's like I have no problem she's like I go out late at night I don't care Mm. like she's like and that's the thing like you're out at like three four in the morning out here you're fine. You're fine, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that comfort that they haven't felt anywhere else before and they find it here, they just... It, it becomes addictive. You want to stay here because of that, right? This is where it comes down to when people say Dubai is plastic. The reality is, yes, it is manufactured. But it's manufactured to create those feelings. Like, you wouldn't be able... If it was, like, London or, like, one of these cities that are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years old... You're going to have, like, blurry boundaries of people coming in and out. You're going to have, like, uh, you know, old old baggage of different mm. groups of people. But here, it's like, clean slate. You know, make of it what you will. Just work hard and... That's the thing. Like, this is why I'm like, it's, maybe it's not, ju- it's not that it's manufactured, but it's been made in a way that for it to be safe for you. Right? Yeah. Because, like, you're... If we count, if you try and count the different nationalities and the different cultures of people you have out here, how many you know by heart? Right? I don't. I wish I did. I don't um, know. But like hundreds. No more. If I remember, oh, a, AUD alone when I was in university had over two hundred and ninety nationalities. Holy moly! Yeah. So don't we only have, look, how many that. countries? A are couple of years ago, yeah. we tried to find I have how the many. Stats, by the way. I don't know it by heart. I give you the numbers. Yeah, because we tried to find communities that represented every single um, team that was playing in the World Cup, okay. not this one, the one before. Okay. And like we successfully found every single 
like nationality of the country and they would like gather together in whatever small groups they were to watch the games mm-hmm. here you go so you there there are so many people yeah. here that's so cool yeah because the UAE Statistics Center they release the numbers every every year every other year so you have this breakdown of all the nationalities and the number of people mm. here from that mm-hmm. like two years ago three years ago for example just Americans in general were 500,000 but mm. that would also include like Arab nationalities with American citizenship. Mm. Or, oh, yeah, right? yeah. Okay. So you take that. But then now, if, I'm sure if you do the numbers again, like it's a lot more now. Mm, um, yeah. But the, the numbers are there. Like I don't know them by heart, sorry. <laughs> but <laughs> they do exist. Because um, you, you throw out so much marketing I, yeah, info that, I do. you know. I, I, I put you on a pedestal a little bit, oh, sorry. Sh- <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's just because like, I like to know the numbers. Um, so yeah, like they they they're all here. The numbers it's are there. crazy. But there's um so to go back to this whole manufactured bit. Mm. I always like if you really want to sit if there's certain things where you can sit and think about it that you kind of don't notice because it's just so mm-hmm. obvious. Like if you look at the safety concept with all those nationalities and different cultures and different backgrounds, for you to be less safe, like the kind of job the police has. Mm. And like as a government that they have to do out here to make sure people are safe, mm-hmm. it's just insane. And that they notice they're safe. Yeah. yeah, you know that they can be aware of it. Like you can walk up to, you know, the, someone in army clothes and ask them for directions to the mall. Who who would have th- <laughs> thought that you could do that anywhere else? You know. Yeah. Like, right, the like level the, of that sense of safety is yeah. just it's you feel it. So it's like you you notice the kind of effort and work that is put into that. And I tell everybody who are tourists here and who say, I don't know, I don't like Dubai because it's plastic. Um, like, it, listen, it is what you tell them I don't charge it. a tourist. Send them But that's not Dubai, that's Charger. Yeah. But no, also I have a decant tour for Dubai, by the way. Okay. Yeah, I'll take you on decants and, like, all the cans with stories to I got you. Yo. <laughs> mm, See, it just, I think it just takes a while. Yeah. I think you need to find your tribe, your communities. You need to, like, forge your own. Yeah. 
Pull the towel out, that's right We are back and punch Get it in one take and that's lunch It's all lean, my thoughts stream Blown from sources unseen My Megatron plan can make the stars scream Four bars in from 16, I'm still mean Was called the one by Neo and Billy Dean I'm in the scene, rug and roll with the kill team Surround sound large, looking sharp on your flat screen Oh, flowing like it's Yosin Other dudes around a tip, but they're hoaxing Chosen, one from the billion Mike's the trigger and I expose them They get vetoed, I'm back sequel D-Shocked to your sequel My curious style, get curious eyes like peepholes I'm back furious and rap studious And yes, the beast like them The man shites the sham The beast like them You know who I am with my man shites the sham It's where we're making that stand Clips full of intellect in the tree standing Bass banging, fucking with your mind Rap set demise coming at your own time Swings the ambush, your whole squad crumble One, two, gorillas in the jungle Jungle, jungle, jungle Savage, why you trapping so hard? <laughs> why do you nigga capping so hard? <laughs> why you got a 12 car garage? <laughs> why you pulling out these rappers' cars? Cutty nigga pussy in them hard. I turn it fucking soft into some hard. Grew up in the streets without no heart I'm praying to my Glock in my car I sit back and read like cat in the hat 21 Savage, the cat with the mat 21 Savage, not boys in the hood But I pull up on you, shoot your ass in the back Stew a little hurdy, nigga, some rats I can fill the cheese, bitch, I got rats I'm a real street nigga, bitch I am not one of these niggas banging on wax Pussy niggas love sneak this Until I pull up on them, slap them out with the fight Watch your mama house, watch your grandma house Keep shooting it till somebody die So many shots, the neighbor looked at the calendar Thought it was 4th of July You was with your friends playing Nintendo I was playing around with that fight Sound great, I got caught with a 
grade, started playing football. Then I was like, fuck the field. Ninth grade, I was knocking niggas out. Nigga like Holyfield. Fast forward, nigga 2016. And I'm screaming, fuck a deal. Bad bitch with me, she's so thick. I don't even need a pill. I listened to your raps, thought you was hard. You ain't even screw for real. Niggas love sneak dissing on Twitter. They don't want beef for real. And now these niggas play like they tough. Till a nigga get killed. Till a nigga get spilled. Till your blood get spilled. I'ma at your favorite rapper. Shoot him like I'm John Deere. I've been with you since day one. Savage, I ain't even hate. So what's up with all that Instagram shit? Savage, I was just playing. Y'all pussy nigga fake. Bitch, I hang around them Haitians. Pull up on you, tie your kids up. Pistol whip you while your bitch naked. Come on, man, Savage. You know I always play your mixtape. Yeah, nigga, fuck all that ashy bitch. How my dick take? Young Savage, why you trapping so <laughs> Why do you nigga capping so hard? Why you got a 12 car garage? <laughs> why you pulling out the rapper's car? Petty nigga pussy in the heart. I turn it fucking soft to some hard. I'm praying to my Glock and my car So much though that it broke the scale They say crack kills, nigga, my crack sell My brother in the kitchen and he rapping the bed Louis V my bag and Louis V on my belt Chain swinging, diamonds blank Pistol swinging, gang bang. Niggas acting like groupies, they don't know what Little do they know they bitches fucking on the tour. Young Savage, why you trapping so hard? <laughs> why do you nigga capping so hard? <laughs> why you got a 12 car garage? <laughs> Why you pulling out these rappers' cards? Cut these nigga pussy in them hard. I turn it fucking soft into some hard. I grew up in the streets without no heart. I grew up in the streets without no heart. So much dope that it broke the scale. They say crack kills, nigga, my crack sell My brother in the kitchen and he rapping the bell Louis V my bag and Louis V on my belt <laughs> Thank you.
get more butt than ashtrays Fuck a fair one, I get mine the fast way Ski mask way, then we can ransom notes Far from handsome, but damn a nigga tote much More guns than roses, foes is shaking in their boots A visible bully, like the gooch disappear Vamoose, you whack to me Take them rhymes back to the factory I see the gimmicks, the whack lyrics The shit is depressing, pathetic, please forget it You're mad cause my style you're admiring Don't be mad, UPS is hiring You should have been the cop, hip hop With that freestyle you're bound to get shot Not from Houston, but I rap a lot Pack the gap a lot, the flame's about to drop Here comes a brand new flavor in your ear Time for new flavor in your ear I'm just kicking new flavor in your ear Up, no rap, no crap, you bore me Wanna grab my body, too lazy, hold it for me I'm straight, rap, great, bust the head straight And dreads, I'm everlasting Like it's so on protest, a tech nine When I rhyme, plus I climb, word is mine Your album couldn't f*** with one line It's been three years since your last year But now I reappear, your heart pumps fear To your gut, did your girl's butt I scraped it, shaped it, now she won't strut I smashed teeth, off your beef, no relief I step on stage, girls scream like I'm Keith You won't be around next year My rap's too severe, kick it bad flavor in your ear Good thumbs a brand new flavor in your ear Time for new flavor in your ear I'm kicking new flavor in your ear Like a brand new flavor in your ear Good thumbs a brand new flavor in your ear Time for new flavor in your ear 2194, mad motherfucker, hardcore It's my time to burn to explore The flavor in your ear is the boy scout I make outs, I make all the rappers have doubts right. You're fucking with the wrong clan and the wrong man, that's it Now you got to get your dome split I'm going into my knapsack with my gat Take off my hat, yes I'm just cool like that The dangerous, the ruggedness from the flappers abyss BLS 97, kiss bastard it I'm gonna live long in this rap game Singing low my name, yo puffy Burning flames, you're jingling baby You're jingling baby Uh, blotitious, skeevy, delicious, give me couscous, love me good, mm, damn, Hollis to Hollywood, but is he good? I guess like the jeans, uh, flavor like praline, sick daddy, I mean, Papa love it, when it does it, it gets buzz it. But tell me, was it really just the flavor that be clogging your ears? The most healthy behavior is to stay in the clear. It's all for you. It's really all for you. Hunch back, close your eyes, try to munch that. Oil up your ankles, let your Timbs tap. Bite the flavor, it reacts to your dope cats. Word to mama, a tongue kiss a piranha. Electrocuted barracuda, I'm here to bring the drama. Yo, 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 flavors in your ass grease. Bust the vibes about to bring the noise on speed. Let me lose from the belly of the beast. Everybody, hey, hey, hey. You better believe it's bust the rhymes the way we about to rip the try. I say, yo, yo, hey, hey, hey. I split your face and give you stitches. Throw niggas and bitches. Slap the ass on fat Wait one sec If I get down I'm rolling with the heavyweight Connect through the stomping ground Now don't you get suspicious Grant your wishes every time Bring it vicious when I bust the back I know one thing the whole world is expecting Is how we all connected To break food on the same record Five new flavors on the beat Fill me up with heat I really think you should be cheap While we blow up the streets Instead of copping please just freeze Maintain the focus 
while we smoke these I will have trees When I get down I disappear We disappear and blow up everywhere And you flavor in your pervasive theme of philosophers and poets. So doesn't it make sense that death too would be wrapped in dream? That after death your conscious life would continue?
yourself yet but the advantage to meeting others in the meantime is that one of them may present you to yourself 